Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor John. All right, kids, first and sixth grade, you guys can go ahead and go to kids' church if you want. And uh, I'm glad you're all here. Amen. Glad to be here. If you're a first-time guest, what you see is what you get with me. Uh, my New Year's commitment is to not say anything bad from the pulpit. And if I do, I'm going to squirt a thing of hand sanitizer in my mouth like we did when I was a kid. I got soap in the mouth. Anybody got the soap in the mouth as a kid? Some of you should have. I heard your, I've heard your potty mouths. Um, didn't work very much. But I thought, yeah, 2020 was the year that I got sanitizer squirted in my mouth, the little kids would say. Now you get turned into CPS for that. When I was a kid, it was just punishment. And it was good for you as a parent. You get to punish your child. We got a rough crowd today. All right. Uh, let's get going. Well, hey, I want to talk to you today out of the book of Philippians chapter three and a uh, happy new year to everybody. And it's a, it's a good year. Um, some things, good things have happened in this year. Um, we, we got a lot of, well, let me just show you Time Magazine. Time Magazine, which I do not order. They send it to me just for fun. And everything it says is true. Um, 2020, worst year ever. Worst year ever. And I'm like, I don't take it that way. Did some bad things happen? Yeah. But is it the worst year ever? No, I've been reading some history. But it was the biography of Charles Manson. So if you lived through the 60s, the late 60s, they was pretty crazy. I mean, cities were on fire across the country. There was all kinds of riots and all kinds of LSD. I don't know for them if it was good or bad. Never taking drugs. But, but worst year ever? I'm like, no. It wasn't the worst years ever because look at what has happened. Dodgers won the Super Bowl. <laughs> He's like, let's see if you're awake. Okay, Dodgers won the World Series. Okay, we paid our church building off. Some of, some of y'all, some of y'all found the love of your life. Mark Wright's team actually finally won the church league softball championship. I mean, go Team Pink! It was a year of miracles, right? Year of miracles. Had uh, reached more people online than we ever had before. Pastor John and his team had this thing dialed in. When COVID hit, we didn't skip a beat. I mean, no, that's how, that's how good our staff is to get this. We had a lot of good things taking place. I've even understood there's somebody in Hong Kong uh, listening to our services, and that's really cool. Um, and so if I ever go there to sneak Bibles, they're going to know who I am. So I got to be careful. I'll wear a mask. Never mind. No facial recognition. We'll be fine. But, but progress always has a process. And, and the t- year 2020 is now in the past, all right? It's now in the past. And the flip of a calendar page does not equal change, right? We have, I got my calendar. Here's my desk calendar. I'm still a paper guy. I don't do the digital thing because electricity dies sometimes. But, but here's December. And, and what does 2021 hold? <laughs> I put a big question mark because I have no idea, right? We don't know. What, what 2021 holds, but I know who holds 2021, Amen. okay? God holds it, and, and what God holds is always good, and it's always going to work out. Uh, most people wish that 2020 was a mulligan year. If you played golf, you have like a mulligan shot. It just means just forget that one. Uh, me personally, because I'm a rules person, I don't take mulligans. It's like, no, I hit it in the rocks and I'm going to have to try to hit it out of the rocks. Um, that's just how, how I, I, even when I play by myself, I, I count that as a stroke, Right, because a mulligan, it's, it, it's kind of cheating. And some of you are like, no, it's natural. We need to have a mulligan. No. Wouldn't it be great if in a marriage you had a mulligan every day? <laughs> like two or three. <laughs> Somebody's like, yeah, it's a great idea. I think we should start something, right? A mulligan moment. Because your wife would always ask you, is that your mulligan? Because I'm going to count. 
All right, I'm counting the score. But realistically for me, 2020 was very revealing as far as human behavior and reaction to things. Okay, 2020 meaning 2020 vision, we do look back and say, wow, we didn't react very good to some things. There were some things that we kind of freaked out about. There were some things that we dealt with in a great way, but there were some you know, things that, that we did as a nation that we shouldn't really be very proud of. To look back and go, yeah, we kind of overreacted on that. It's kind of, again, I do that in, in marriage situations. At times I have this overreaction. And so as a Christian, we look back and say, you know what? We can't say 2020 was the worst year ever. What I look at it is say, okay, God had a plan and his plan is coming to pass, right? And it all plays into the end times. Okay, we know, okay, if you study Bible prophecy, that America is not mentioned in the end times. So either the rapture happens. So if you're not right with Jesus, right now would be a really good time for you to get right with Jesus, okay? Because we could disappear at any moment. And if we do and you're left, you get the microphone and the pulpit all to yourself. And I guarantee you, rapture takes place. This place is gonna fill up with people going, what happened? And you're gonna have to go, I missed it. I was in church, but I missed it. And I don't want, can I just be, I'm not gonna ask you if I can be honest. I'm gonna be honest. It's a stupid question. Can I be honest with you? No, lie to me, Um, right? Honestly, if the rapture happened right now, I would want nobody to be left in this building. Amen. You know? Now, if you're sitting under a metal beam <laughs> and the rapture happens, I would like to see that. <laughs> um, but I don't know if you go through metal beams or not. I'm assuming you do, but it's just how my brain works. <laughs> I just changed the permanent seating arrangement of our church. Every row is going to be beamless. Um, but like a piece of fruit, you don't know what's in you until you're squeezed. I, I would title personally 2020 as the year of fear, that, that fear was pushed, fear was pushed, fear was pushed. And, uh, and even recently, you know, with elections happening, and, and again, we pray God, whoever you have as president, we'll be okay with that, because you're God. And the Bible says he establishes leaders. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. Okay, God does that. And when you read your Bible, say, oh, God's in control, then I don't have to worry too much about it, right? What I have to do is guard my own heart. But I will tell you this, fear really does sell. Okay, I, I heard... Or Alexa told me, I, I unplug Alexa sometimes. It's, I don't even, it's an echo, is it an echo? Whoever Alexa is, it's, whoever lives in the box is not the box, but, but this news pops up. So I see this, this you know, the life is great, New Year 2020 is everything, and then all of a sudden, new strain of corona comes out, more, you know, more easily caught. And it's like, oh no, <laughs> because last year I just looked at you, you caught it from me. How can it be more contagious? And again, Corona is real. I mean, we have people we've dealt with it. I'm not downplaying it whatsoever. But the whole thing is it's always pushed and it's a fear thing. So we approach it with faith, but also with caution, okay? When we serve communion this afternoon, okay, last night we prepared it with masks on and gloves, okay? And that's just so you guys know that it's not contaminated, and we will serve it that way, okay? So you take precautions, but you don't have to live in fear, Okay. Paul the Apostle here is writing from prison and he's, he's talking to some Philippians who are kind of freaked out about some things and he just shares his testimony of here's where I'm at in life and here's how I'm gonna deal with it. And in Philippians chapter 3.13, I wanna start ahead of where we're actually going because he makes a statement that I wanna talk about. And he says this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Why would he make this statement? Now, I've studied a lot of Paul, Paul the Apostle's life, and, and he, he was in a place, he was in prison now, and a prison wasn't nice. There was, no, there was no ESPN in this prison. 
As a matter of fact, to eat, people had to feed you. He was in chains, and I was thinking about the abrasion of chains being around your wrists. And he's in this bad situation, and, and he's not there by choice. He's there because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was preaching the gospel that heals people, that saves people, and they put him in prison for it. He didn't even like rob a bank or anything. He, he was actually doing good and got put into prison. And sometimes you will get persecuted for doing the right thing. My challenge to you is keep doing the right thing. Even if it ends, ends you up in prison, keep doing the right thing because God sees that. And Paul's got this really good attitude about, hey, I'm gonna make it through this. I'm gonna make it through this. Bad things are happening to me. Okay, things that he did, things that people did to him. But he is going to make it. I wrote here, if, if we think being forced to wear a mask is bad, this guy gets beat up and whipped on a consistent basis and has a good attitude. Like when I go into Bymar, I, I have to wear a mask. They, they say, you have to wear a mask or else. And they check. And that's cool. I'm cool with that. I wear a mask. And, and what I've noticed is that, that people don't see me in Bymar anymore. So I can buy what I want. Actually, I can. By what I'm a factual person. I don't, but I could. But you know what I don't like about the mask is smiles. That's what I don't like. I mean, I, I play by the rules, but I don't like the fact that we can't. So what I do when I walk into Bymar, because they're all my friends in there, is I, I don't put my mask on. I look in and I smile at them. And I was like, I don't even have to pull my card out anymore. I said, you know me. And they're like, yeah, get in here. And one lady actually calls me Pastor Stan. It's really kind of cool. She's like, can I call you Pastor Stan? It's like, if you want to, all right, that's cool. Uh, and so we have all these really good talks about what's going on in the world. But they're all my friends there. Uh, but, but we think that, that 2020 was that bad, guys, it really wasn't that bad. I'm glad we live in America because we're very blessed. So I wanna say, you know, focus on the right things today. But here's what I know. Being determined to get through something is half the battle. Being determined, like I'm, I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to get through this. Yeah, we have some hiccups, but you know what? We're going to get through 2021. God is going to make sure we do. Why? Because this isn't our final stop. You need to quit living like this is it, right? We think, oh, this, is, this is America. No, America is just a bypass to heaven if you, if you know Jesus. Isn't that good? How many of y'all would be okay with if rapture came right now? You'd be like, yeah, I'd be just, just fine with that. It'd be great. But here's what I know. I find way too many people spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror, okay? There's a reason your windshield is, a, is big and the rearview mirror is small. It's made to glance at to see what's behind you and learn from it, but it cannot be the focus. It can't be the focus, okay? It's really hard to go forward when you're looking back. It really is. And now is the time because there's so many new people in our church that I have to tell on myself, and I call it the Jeep story, how many of y'all haven't heard the Jeep story? What I did, okay, half our, half our church and haven't, some of you just didn't want to raise your hand, but I know you don't know the Jeep story because you just start coming here. <laughs> You're like, I ain't raising my hand for nothing, all right? Um, who wants $100 bills? Raise your hand, all right? Oh, hands up all over. Oh, wait, stimulus, it's coming. Um, all right, so here's my Jeep story, okay? I was, I was if, if you don't know my history, I grew up in a little logging town in Northern California. And when I say Northern, I mean, we could see Oregon from the mountain I lived on. Uh, we lived a mile and a half above the town. And so I had to ride my motorcycle every day to go to school to catch the bus to get to school. Uh, so it was very rural, okay? A town about 500 people. And, and I drove early on. And my mom had a, a 1978 CJ5 with a 304 in it. A really nice Jeep. And my dad told me one day when I was 13 years old, hey, Stan, I need you to go down to the bottom of the hill, grab some stuff um, from one of his employees and bring it back. And so I drove down. It's really windy, one lane road all the way down the mountain. 
And I get down to, to Daryl's houses and I got the stuff and I'm, I'm pulling the Jeep out from his driveway onto our dirt driveway. And, and the three of the cutest girls from our school were walking down this road. And, and me being 13, had my little brother in the seat, I'm driving. I come around the hairpin corner and I look back like this. I'm like, I'm driving my mom's Jeep and I waved. The problem is I never corrected the steering wheel. And if you know anything about Jeeps is it doesn't take much to flip them over. And all of a sudden my brother lands on top of me and the Jeep is sideways. I turn the ignition off and I was like, did we just crash? You ever, you ever heard of a dumb question? <laughs> there's, no such, there's such thing as dumb questions. That was a dumb question. And the Jeep is sideways. My brother's on me. Daryl comes running up the road. You guys are right. The girls are so impressed. Like the three girls are like, oh. And so I was like the hero at school the next day. <laughs> I had a reputation. <laughs> he drives but not very good, right? <laughs> I'm not going to date with that guy. Okay, I wrecked the Jeep, tore the top, dented part of it, and my, I had to go down and call my dad, and I, I was like, this is bad. And So he came down and got a logging skitter and flipped it back up with a winch on the, on the other side of it with a truck, and he said, drive it home. I was like, no. He goes, drive it home. I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> Again, and I drove it all the way back, and I bought a new top for my mom because yeah, you should pay for things you break. Right. And, and my dad continued to let me drive. Well, the whole point is we need to stay focused on the road. Okay. Matter of fact, I might've inspired Ford to create a car called Focus. It's possible. I might get royalties for that, but probably not. You see, the past is an okay place to visit at times, but it's a terrible place to live. It's okay to visit and say, okay, what can I learn from the past? But to live there is terrible. Chris and I, when we first got married 28 years ago, we bought a house on Chateau Drive in Meridian, back when Meridian had under 10,000 people. Um, back a long, long time ago, we paid $53,000 for a 900-square-foot house. Okay? And there's times that we have gone back and driven by the house. And we're like, man, remember the memories, the things that... that we, but, but I don't go knock on the door and go, hey, I used to live here, get out, I want back. Because my house is a little bit nicer than that one now. right? And, and, and I look, it's a great place to visit but I don't want to live there anymore. I just don't. And at times in our lives, we look back and think the past is better than what the future is. And that's a sad life. There's nothing in the Bible that says, oh, he should have lived in the past because, boy, it was best. It's only downhill from here. No, the Bible kind of promises that you reap what you sow. So if you sow good things, good things are going to happen. And so I believe that as we sow good things, we're going to see better things happen this year than we did last year. And to, to us as a church family, there was a lot of wins in 2020, and we need to look at those things and focus on those things. You see, it's a terrible place to live. The past is because you can't change any. You can't change it. All you can do is learn from it, and that is where Paul is at in his life, okay? What he viewed as success in the world's eyes was actually a pile of trash. And so he starts out um, in, in, in verse seven, and we're going we're to go through Philippians pretty soon as kind of a series, but he says this, and he was bragging about, hey, I was a Pharisee, I was a religious leader before I came to Jesus, I had status, I had money, I mean, I was, I was the happening guy, he was the up and coming rising star of the Pharisees, and he was very, very good at it, and he's listed, man, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, I was from the right tribe, from the right family, I studied under Gamaliel, I, I, I had everything in line, but it was empty. And he's out persecuting Christians and he has this moment with Jesus on the road and God knocks him down and blinds him. And sometimes you gotta get blind before you can truly see. Because there's a lot of people that can see physically but they're blind to what's going on. Guys, in our world, there's a lot of blindness spiritually. 
as Christians, we know that what's happening is a lot bigger than what our world happens. I keep, I keep looking at this, you know, the, the, the Green New Deal, and I think you should take care of the environment. But, but they think somehow that if, if humans didn't exist, the earth would be great. That's what I feel sometimes. It's like, well, there'll be a moment when God will take us home, all right? But let me tell you something. You know what the Bible says about the earth? That God has reserved it for fire. So whether you drive an all-electric car or a gas guzzler, the earth is still going to burn. I'm not sure why I smiled like that afterwards, but I just did. <laughs> I just revealed a little bit more of my past history, but we won't get into about fire and pyro stuff. Um, it's probably a terrible place to smile. It's all going to burn. It's going to. Right? The Bible says it's going to burn. So there's nothing that a human can do that's going to stop God's end result. Right? Again, take care of it. You shouldn't be dumping oil out in places you shouldn't be dumping out. But what I'm saying is we can get so focused on saving this world, we need to get focused on saving the people of the world through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's got to be our focus, okay? at least our main focus. All right? 2020 is what it is. My thing is at least we live in America there is a lot of people that would trade places with you in a heartbeat. So quit whining about stuff, right? We live in a great country. So Paul challenges here in this statement he makes about himself. He's, uh, from what I can study, he's about 10 years into his Christian walk. Again, so he was a Pharisee. God knocks him down, or Jesus talks to him, and, and he, he gives his life to Christ, and his world completely changes. Um, and he, so he brags about, hey, if anybody had you know, physical qualifications of being godly, it was me. And then in verse 7, chapter 3, he says this, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Okay? The things that I pursued, I got, but they didn't mean anything. They were empty, and what he's discovering is that his walk with God is what gives him amazing fulfillment. So verse 10 is where we will start. Uh, he says this. He says, this is my focus. This is my goal. In this point in my life, this is what I want to do. He says, I, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. And the, and the Greek word is gnosko. It's to know intimately. It's, it's to fully understand. So it's not like, hey, I just want to know about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know how Jesus treats people when he was on this earth. I want to know uh, what his heart is. I want to react in the way that would make Jesus proud. Paul's main focus isn't religiosity now. It's, it's just, it's relationship. How can I be more like Christ? And so he says, this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on, because what you focus on is what you gravitate toward. So if you're focused on a bunch of negative stuff in this world, guys, that's where your heart's going to go. That's where your mind's going to go. That's why I tell people, man, be, limit your news intake. Limit your news intake. Increase your word intake because the word of God will say, oh yeah, everything's gonna be all right. The news says it's not. The news will say, hey, everything, ah, freak out. And the word of God says, stay calm. Stay calm. Stay calm. Why? Because God's got this under control. So as a Christian, guys, even in myself, if I watch too much news or see too much, I don't watch much news, but if I, I start dwelling on that and I think, wait a second, the word of God says everything's gonna be okay. Okay, it's not gonna be painless, Okay, we're gonna have some bumps, but in the end, we win, and Paul understands this. So he's like, my focus right now is I just wanna know the heart of Jesus. And let me tell you something, when you get this right, a lot of other things will fall into place. When you get your heart with, right with God and, and just say, God, I wanna pursue you every day. You're, you're my focus, I wanna live like you, I wanna do what you did, a lot of other things will fall into place. See, some people say, well, you know, I'll serve God when, when everything lines up. Well, that means nothing's ever gonna line up. Now, you get first things first, and then God will let other things fall in place. So let's talk about your job for a moment. Instead of hating your job, do the best uh, of your ability while you have a job. 
Like you might not like your job, but do you think God says, well, if you don't like it, you can just slack off? No, we, we should be hard workers as Christians, okay? Do your job to the best of your ability, scatter around for another one if you want to, but honor God with the one that you have. You see, if you're not faithful with the small things, the Bible says you won't be faithful with big things, okay? You gotta be faithful in the small things. Something I added this morning um, as I was, I was driving and uh, praying, and this is what I heard, was, was finding your dream job. Some of you talk about the dream, what's your dream job? Well, finding your dream job is determined by what you do when you're awake, Somebody, oh, I just got this dream job. What are you doing about it? Nothing, but it's going to happen someday. I doubt it. I doubt if Bill Gates is going to call you and go, hey, God put you on my heart, um, and why don't you come to work for me? I don't know if that's going to happen. It probably won't happen, but I really believe that your dream job starts with what you're doing right now. Like, do something with your life. And, you know, with, in our situation with Chris and I, when we first uh, came to this church, we, you know, we had been in full-time ministry for almost seven years, I believe, um, and paycheck... It wasn't a lot. I, was, I made a thousand bucks a month, my first youth pastor position. And then I was a janitor because I needed a little extra money. I was the groundskeeper and the gardener. I did pretty much everything that needed to be done. And, and it was like, hey, I'll clean toilets if that's what I need to do. Why? Because ministry is what we wanted. Well, we were in full-time ministry for like six, seven years. And then when we came to CUNA, um, they, they, there was three other pastors actually that got voted in <laughs> that didn't want the job because it paid $300 a month. Uh, plus housing, but with, with the housing was the double white trailer next to the church facility, which is now CUNY Cave Kids and Alpha Home Systems, I believe, across the tracks. That used to be our building, um, and it was a little tiny building. And, and the, the parsonage also doubled as kids' church, Sunday school, and Wednesday night Bible study. So my wife had a home sometimes. Like they had, you know, we had to get things cleaned up. The kids' bedrooms became classrooms. And for the first four years, Okay, I, I painted houses. I, I had learned, knew how to paint houses. I started my own little business and started painting houses. And, I, and that's when we had Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church. Georgiana remembers this. There's uh, Laura Brothers. There's like three people and Hannah Lamphere, uh, which is now Forey. All right, three of y'all were here when I was here. And our first Sunday we came. There was 15 people. And there was about 30 people, I think, if everybody showed up, including children. And so for four years, I worked a full-time job as a painter. Why? Because the call of God is without repentance. I wanted to pastor the church and I was willing to work to be able to do that. And I remember those days, especially Wednesdays, I would get home from my work and I had to paint all over me and people are already showed up for Bible study in my house. I'm like walking in and go, hey, what's up? You know, your pastor will be out in just a moment. There's a painter that walked in, the preacher's going to come out. Uh, and, and I think some of the white paint I had stayed. I think it just, <laughs> the way it is. Okay. But, but I was willing to, to do that, why? Because this is what God has called us to do. There are times that we can say, well, God has called me to do this, but you have to go through, a pastor friend of mine said, to get to the, get to the, to the king's chamber, you gotta go through the servant's quarters. You gotta be willing to work. You gotta be, begin, be willing to work that stuff and, and, and be okay with that. And I'm so thankful that we didn't have to do that anymore, and you're thankful because we also used to lead worship. I cannot believe the church grew because Chris and I, she played keyboard, I played guitar. I was not a guitar player. I said I played guitar. It was like three keys. Every song was three keys. And we tried, and I think the church grew, and people gave to get us out of that position and get a real worship leader. So you know, we, it, was, it was hard. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night trying to develop messages, three, you know, three different messages a week and, and working a full-time job and raising three kids. I mean, it was, it was a time that I look back and went, wow, that was probably the worst year ever, right? Or the worst, because it was so difficult, but we made it through. 
God just wants us to be faithful. Sometimes you've got to do the dirty work before God will give you something that's really fun and you still be willing to do the order, okay? As soon as I get paid more, I'll work harder. That's a, a philosophy that I hate. It's a terrible philosophy. Okay, how about work harder and maybe you'll get paid more? You see, our young generation thinks, well, you should pay me a lot. I should make, you know, 80,000 coming out of high school. Well, some kids do if they're smart, but not most, okay? I think you should work some fast food stuff. You should work some, some hard jobs when you're younger so you appreciate a good job when you're, when you're a little older. And my dad knew that, man. We worked in the woods all through high school and college. Um, and he said, I did it to keep you in college. Okay, because I'm like, we don't want to work in the woods. I mean, we, we loved it. It was hard work, but it was not something that we really, really wanted to do for the rest of our life. And so um, we had just different careers. But I'm glad my dad raised us with a, a good work ethic. See, I mean, let me tell you something. Here, here's a secret. If you want to raise, start outworking everyone else with a smile. Okay, just see, I'm going to outwork everybody else. I want to raise, and I'm not going to ask for it, but I'm going to, I'm going to earn it. And even if your boss doesn't see it, God will. Okay, God will see that. Be worth more than you're paid. Say, God will see it if anybody. I want God on my side. You see, I told you this a couple weeks ago, behavior earns you favor. Now, as a Christian, you, you might be labeled a lot of things. Don't ever be labeled as a lazy person. Don't ever have that label. And if you have that label now, kind of a slacker, just doing just, just minimal, right? If you're just doing just the minimal required, that, that is, as a Christian, that is a, a bad mark against you. I think God goes, you know what? You could do better. So as a Christian, you might be labeled as a lot of things, incompetent, whatever, but don't ever be labeled as lazy because that is something you could control. Amen? That's a spiritual thing, okay? The Bible is very clear about having a hard work ethic, okay? In verse 12, he kind of shifts here and he, he, he brags a little bit about, here's what I used to be. He goes, but it's all loss. I just want to know Christ now. And then in verse 12, um, he says this. He says, I, again, I want to know Christ. Yeah, I, I do. I really do. In verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have been already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What is that? That, that is the call of God in his life. That's what he's focused after because a lot of sports teams will use, I press on to take the goal. You know, God's not talking about field goals or touchdowns. <laughs> Paul's not talking about sporting events or he's talking about the call of God. He says, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep going. I haven't arrived here, but I'm trying. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What is, what is Paul's ultimate goal? It's heaven, right? He's like, when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. That is my ultimate goal. That is the one thing that I really wanna get to, Paul says. Um, and we'll, again, as we go through Philippians, we'll see, he's like, I, I would rather be in heaven. I'd rather go see Jesus, but because God still has plans for me, he left me here. I'd rather be there because it's easier, but I gotta forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. He's honest. Haven't arrived yet, but I'm trying. I'm trying. And despite this resistance, I'm still going forward. And I want to paint a little picture here about a, a leashed dog. There's three ways you can walk a dog. Right? The, you can walk a dog that just lags behind and you got to pull it. it. Like it doesn't want to go for a walk. It sees you get the leash and it's like, no, I just want to, no. And it starts 
limping, like, I got a hurt paw, don't take me, all right? He was fine the day before, or the moment before. And, and, and you gotta pull the dog. And then you got the faithful dog that's just willing to walk right by the master. Everything's cool, he's looking up, everything's great. And then you got the dog that I like. And it's the dog that's straining ahead. Like, you're not walking the dog, it's walking you. I saw it happen to a woman down, down the street the other day. She's walking the dog, like, I was like, yeah, I like that dog. Why? Because that dog's on a mission. That dog's smelling stuff. It's like, oh, pizza. Because there's pizza down there. And the dog lagging behind is like, can I say poop in church? Horse, like the cow, like everybody, you smell it. What's the correct word for dung? That's too Old Testament. I like poop. Um, right? <laughs> Horse manure, let's say manure. I try to keep it saying it, all right? And, and that dog's like, oh, you know, and the, and the owner's trying to go fast to get through it, and the dog's like, I don't want to, I don't want, right? What dog are you? I want to be the dog that Paul's describing here, and that is I'm straining, man. There's something ahead. And the master's like, oh, I know there's something ahead. I know it's great. But you just got to hold on, and the dog's like, let me out of, let me out of. Like Scrappy-Doo. Scrappy-Doo always resonated in my heart. If you, don't, you have a Scrappy-Doo, you had Scooby-Doo who was big and Scrappy-Doo who was little because Scrappy-Doo I could relate to. Like seriously, he, his whole thing was, let me at him, let me at him. He was like the Chihuahua, like, come on, I'll take you on. It's kind of like that. And I want to be the dog that's just like chomping at the bit, right? And, and God's like, oh, hold on, boy, hold on, hold on. We'll get there. I got some stuff I'm doing up ahead, but the dogs are like straining. Why? Because there's something that it wants, and that's what Paul is describing as a Christian. You should have that same tenacity to strain toward what it is that God has for you. See, I want to be the Christian that God actually has to leash a little bit. Go, hey, hold on, hold on. I got some stuff ahead of you that I need to take care of. I want to be that eager. I don't want to be the dog that God has to say, come on, come on, come on. But I also want to be the dog that just wants to walk beside the master and say, okay, well, you know, what is it? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? But don't be the back dog. Some of your personalities are the side dog. You just want to stay close. But I want to be the tenacious dog. I want to be the dog that's straining toward what is ahead. And I believe as a church, that's we're going to be like on that leash of going forward. Like, hey, God, hey, God, you're going to do something great. That's how I want to be. You see, Paul here, he had to win mentally before he could win physically. And that's where he was at. He, guys, remember, he's in chains. He's in a dungeon. He's in a dark place. But mentally, he's already ahead. Mentally, he's like, man, I'm pressing on. I'm doing something great. But Paul, you can't move. You're in a, you're in a jail cell. It doesn't matter my, in my mental capacity. I'm going forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, you know what? I can do this. I can make it. I kind of go through. You remember that book, The Little Engine That Couldn't? <laughs> gotcha. The Little Engine That Couldn't? Was that book ever written? No, because we don't read, we don't, we don't, we don't write about losers. I mean, really? I mean, we don't. What, what books sell? It's books that actually you overcame something. You overcame something. You don't read stories about people that just gave up when it got hard. Oh, it got tough, so they quit. Oh, they got hard, so they just decided not to do it anymore. No, we read stories about the little engine that could. Why? Because the mental state of this little engine says, yeah, that, that's a, it's, it's a steep grade and I got a heavy load, but I can do this. I can get through this. I can do it. And he's going, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And then what happens when he gets toward the top? He's like, I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. And then he gets over the top and he runs out of brakes and crashes into story. <laughs> I don't actually remember how it ends, but it would be a good one. Okay. 
You're like, no, it wouldn't. It's true. If you're a first-time visitor, I'm always like this. Um, so you know. But I hope you go home, go home entertained and you remember what I preached on. The little engine that couldn't? No. So I want to ask you this question. Are you known as a quitter or an overcomer? When people hear your name, what do they think? It's like, oh, that person's kind of tenacious. They're going to make it through. When they know you're going through something hard, are they going to make it or are they not? Well, in the past, they've always just strained forward. So I think they're going to make it through this. So set some goals for 2021. I want to encourage you to be realistic about it. Okay, if you're a New Year's resolution person, I'm personally not. I'm just, I'm probably like Brian. We're just like, no, it needs to be done now, right? I'm not waiting till January. Like, this is October. This needs to change. Let's just change it now, right? Brian, we have a pretty good personality. It's like, let's just need to change it now. I'm not going to wait. Let's just do it now. But if you're a New Year's resolution per- person, that's pretty cool. Um, I do have a question for you, though. How did 2020s turn out? Some of y'all forgot you even made any, huh? <laughs> it's like you had all these dreams. 2020, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I got to wear a mask. What? 2021, New Year's resolution, go. I don't have to wear a mask in Bymart anymore. And I keep asking them, when, when are you going to relax that a little bit? We don't know. Corporates in Oregon. That was the, that's the answer. I was like, okay, so I wear my mask. Why? Because that's what the rule says, wear your mask. And so I do. And, 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 and so with 2021, if you're anything like me, and I'm a pretty positive person, I'm a little, I don't even know what to write down for 2021 goals. You ever been there? You're like, I don't even know what to wish for. I'm kind of at a blink. It's a big question mark. I don't know. I just make it through today. I'll make it through next week. Maybe the goal should be week to week. Like, I just hope we have church next Sunday. Okay? And if we don't, it's because we're in heaven and I would be okay with that. Then we're going to have real church on Sunday, right? And, and, and so we have, we have these goals. So maybe you need to just simply get up in the morning and make your bed. Like, that's my goal. I'm just gonna get up, I'm gonna make my bed. Because studies have shown that people that make their bed actually get more accomplished during the day. True, true study. And it's, it's true. In our, in our house, it's whoever gets out of it last. So this is like this little race. Yeah, I feel her rustling and I'm, boom, I'm out. You got it, baby. <laughs> You're making it. You're making it. Because you gotta put those 16,000 pillows back on the bed. I walk into the bedroom, I can't even see my bed. I'm like, why is there so many pillows on the bed? Oh, because they're cute. I'm like, yeah, but it takes me 15 minutes just to get to my pillow, like my pillow. And then they change. And then she puts the pillow that says joy. I'm serious. It, it gained. And here's where I walk the line as a pastor. How much do you say? about what your wife does because you can be on the precipice of having a very, very quiet afternoon. Pastor like, Steve, he gets this because he he's, him and me are two peas in a pod. It's really scary. Uh, we have to take our wives to lunch after church often. Like, sorry, babes. Um, and, and, and you walk this line of, of all these pillows. But the thing is, is it looks beautiful. I mean, she does it. It's all, but but there are, some of them are heavy. And I'm like, she might hit me with this. If I move it, it weighs like 15 pounds. I think it's the lead pillow that if I say anything, it's going to come flying at me. That has nothing to do with church, but it's just fun to talk about. Uh, because you can get into marital strife. But here's what I know. My wife is super creative. Okay, my bedroom would be very boring without her. <laughs> I did not mean to say that. I, 
What are you all? I just turned red because I, you heard that different than I meant it. I got to rephrase that. I'm, I am beat red right now. Cut the camera. Cut the camera. Um, what are you all thinking? I was thinking pillows. Our, the decorations in our room. I got a... It's like a five squirt. I, I, I'm glad you laughed and didn't kick me out of the church because that, what are y'all thinking? Get your, get, let's move on. Um, I turned seriously red. They're going to have to change the, what happened? He said something stupid. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's true, but we talk about this stuff in our marriage class, not in Sunday morning church. Actually, obviously we talk about it. In Sunday morning church, I said it. Um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? I love my wife. What can I say? We still like each other. <laughs> I just blew the sermon. Everybody, let's go home. Let's just go home. <laughs> I got to find myself now. <laughs> I got to find myself. I got to find where I'm at. Um, this is just going downhill fast. <laughs> mayday, mayday, mayday. Um, all right. <laughs> Remember the little Asian that couldn't? <laughs> or the little pastor that shouldn't? Like, shouldn't say that. <laughs> All right, setting goals. Let's get back. I, yeah. Didn't I tell you at the first church that my goal was to not say nothing from the pulpit that was embarrassing? That lasted about 25 minutes. Um, so it's a, a good time to evaluate it. Be realistic about your goals. I'm still laughing inside, shaking my head. All right. So make your bed. All right. Might be something simple. Uh, but it's a good time to evaluate. Okay, whatever the day of the year it is, if it needs to be done, do it. Right. If it needs to be done, do it. I, I had this moment this last week on the couch, and, and it's cold out, and the decorations are still. If you haven't been to my house, my, light, my wife loves Christmas, and so I got reindeer, and we got lights on the ground, and lights in the trees, and lights on our house. I got you know, big trees that I put T-posts in and wired those two, and it looks like a little forest. And, and I drive up, I'm like, man, I got to take all that down. I just put it up like two months ago. Seriously, like it's hunting season and she wants to decorate. I'm like, you know, let me go kill something first and then we'll decorate. And so, um, and, and I'm laying on the couch and, I'm, and it's warm and it's cold outside and I'm, I'm by the fire and I got my book and I'm, I'm just sitting there going, I really don't want to go clean up the reindeer. I really don't want to take the lights out of the tree. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't want to. I just don't feel like it. I'm like, I'm comfortable where I'm at, but this stuff isn't gonna happen by itself. And so I did the thing that dads do and say, hey, son, let's go take down the Christmas lights, right? And he's like, right now? I'm like, yeah, right now, buddy. He was like getting ready to eat something. And I, was like, I said, no, we just go take care of it. So we, we got it done. But my point in that little story is I had to force myself to do it. It didn't feel like it, but it wasn't gonna take care of itself. And, and what is your Christmas lights right now? What is the thing that you need to take care of that you're just like, I just don't feel like it? But guys, if we base our life on our feelings, we will never get anything accomplished, okay? Paul says, I press on to take hold of that, okay? Because what, what is that God's plan for my life? Because God's plan is not a destination, but a lifestyle, okay? If you were in the military, I, I love military history, and one thing that I've learned is there's objectives, okay? To win a war, there's an objective you have to reach. You have to reach certain points. You can't just focus on the war because a war is one, one objective at a time. And I think too often we live so far ahead that we don't take care of today, or we don't enjoy today because we're thinking about what we might do tomorrow. Um, you might have a, a target weight, okay, and, and go for that. Some of you, your goal might be cussing five times instead of six like you did yesterday. 
Some of you are like that new of a Christian. You're like, hey, I only cussed five times today. I've had new Christians say the funniest things to me. It's like, oh, the F word only came out once today. And I'm like, well, how many times yesterday? Well, two. Well, that's great. You're making progress. Okay. It, it, it's funny what, what everybody's at a different level because little wins are important. So the what and the how, I talk about this a lot. What do you want life to look like? What do you want to achieve? How am I going to get there? The what is easy. I want a great marriage. <laughs> how? Stand by. <laughs> it's going to take some pain. It's going to take some, some hard things. I wrote here just a side question. How do you get to the top of the stairs? And my answer to myself was one, stair, one step at a time. And as I read that question again, how do you get to the top of the stairs? The answer popped in my head said, elevator. <laughs> right? Isn't that how we want to get to the top most of the time is elevator? It's like, oh, we got to go. There's an elevator. Push a button and you let it take. That's, that's not how God works. Sometimes God will let you take the elevator. Most of the times you got to take the step. One step at a time. And we need to be willing to do it because we live in a generation that wants to push the elevator button. Matter of fact, we live in a generation that wants the bellhop to push the button for us. <laughs> Top row, please. Thank you. And then you don't tip them. All right? We live in a generation that wants everything instant. Why? Because we've kind of trained them that way. It's not always their fault. We've kind of done too much for things, for people who should be working. So forgetting what is behind. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead. It's not just erasing it from memory. It's choosing not to dwell on it. It's choosing not to dwell on it. I brought an illustration What are you going to put in the diaper? 2020, right? You going to put that thing. What do you do with this thing? There are, there are days when I come into the church nursery and I walk, just do a walkthrough and I have a very sensitive, I open the door and I'll be like, whoa, the diaper genie is there, but the diaper genie is coming out. Like there's a genie coming out of the diaper genie. And just because it's got plaster, it doesn't mean you can't smell it eventually, like it just happens sometimes. And, and so what I do is, is I take the diaper and I just walk around and, with, and just let people smell it. Hey, see what's in the church nursery? Do we do that? Well, some of you have, you're holding on to some bitterness, right? And you have this bitterness in this diaper and you want to share it with people. And you walk around, hey, smell this. This is what they, at least what they did to me, smell it. And you're like, well, I don't want to smell it. You've been smelling diapers your whole life, sister. I'm sorry. You have beautiful children, but she's, she's a great mom. But you've got some kids that use these, right? She don't want to come to church and smell another one. But here's what we do. We get this bitterness in us and we leave it and we want to share it with people. Hey, look what happened to me. Look what 2020 did to me. Look what, I, look, look what happened. And you carry the thing around when God's saying, you know what? When you carry it around, not only do you smell it and you might get a little used to it, but other people see you coming with this. They don't want none of this. When's the last time you saw a nursery tenant change a diaper? You're like, oh, let me smell. <laughs> You're laughing because you never do that. Now, I did have an incident recently where it was something that was stinky, and actually two of my family members actually smelled it. And I was like, this smells terrible. And my daughter picks it up and goes, oh, yeah. My other, I'm like, what are you guys thinking? Like, I told you it smelled, right? If you tell me it smells, I'm going to believe you. I'm like, I'm going to stick it up to my nose. So what are you doing with the past? Even if the past stinks, you've got to do something with it. Paul says, I, I'm going to forget what's behind. He's like, I'm just going to throw the diaper where it needs to go, out of my way. Because I don't want to carry that around and smell everything up. But some people just hold on to it. They hold on to that. Well, look what they did. Look what they did. Can you imagine like, telling your 16-year-old kid, you know, when you were two, you just, you, and you just bring it up to him? Like you actually saved it in the fridge like you did your wedding cake? 
that's a great idea for the wedding day. <laughs> here, son, I saved you something. This woman you're about to marry, here you go, sister. Now it's your problem. <laughs> Would that be embarrassing? Like I told you, if you're brand new, I'm like this all the time. It would be time. There are times that you gotta learn just to throw it away. It happened, it did. I'm not denying that it happened, but I gotta let go of it. I gotta let go. Four things Paul's teaching us here. And then we'll, we'll take communion. So Pastor Stephen, Chris, you guys can come back up. Four things Paul's teaching here. Number one, and take a picture of this slide if you would. If you get it from that, I'm a picture taker when I go to churches and I just take a picture of the slide. So don't forget it. There's four P's here. Progress has a process. Okay, to, to, to have progress, you have to go through the process. Number two, progress has pain. We don't like that part. Progress has pain. Anytime you make progress in life, it's probably gonna hurt. You can never go work out, and if, if it doesn't hurt after you're done working out, you didn't work out hard enough, right? Muscle has to be broke down in order to be built up. Number three, progress has a price. You will pay the price for progress, I love this because my dad taught us, um, all, all of us kids, this thing is that, that progress has a payout, that you will get the reward for your hard work, that when you do this, this happens. And when you do the work on the front end, you'll be blessed on the back end. Right. When you put the work in, the, the, it's a reaping and sowing. My dad taught us these principles with tithing, with giving, with giving our lives, with helping people, that, that when, you, when you do things for other people and you obey God's word, there is always a good payout. God promises that, okay? So you, 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 you pay now, or play, you pay now and you play later. That's, that's a principle. Like you do the hard work now and God will reward you. So I wanna tell you something else that is hard to do, but necessary if you want to succeed. And again, I don't know your situation. I know some of you have gone through some really hard stuff and I'm not downplaying that, but I wanna tell you something that's true nonetheless, no matter what you're facing, and that's this. Don't focus on what you've lost. Work with what you have left. So maybe you need to take a picture of that to remind yourself. Be, I can be so focused on what I've lost or what life isn't like or what I don't have that I fail to look forward to what I do have left and work with that. And that's where Paul's at, guys. Paul lost a lot of things, but he's got this mentality of, you know what? God's got good stuff in store for me. I know I'm in chains. Don't know when I'm gonna get out, but I'm gonna press on. See, some people waste their entire life thinking about things they can't change. And in doing so, they never look ahead to what can be. See, it's what you choose to focus on. It's, choose, it's what you choose to be thankful for. Progress will always have a process. My question for you is this. The, what, what we, the, I'm sorry, the question will be this. Are you determined to stick to it even when it's hard? That's my, that's my question. Are you gonna stick to it even when it's hard? Even when it's not turning out the way that you thought? Flipping a calendar doesn't change things. We change things starts with us. Amen? So here's how we're going to end this service, okay? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you just to, to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior today. Just simply pray a prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, and I ask that you forgive me, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Okay? That's the question. So what my wife and I are going to do, we're going to get up and we're going to set our communion up on the table. And the communion has two cups in it. The, the cracker is on the bottom cup and the juice is on the top cup. So when we get our gloves and masks on, we're gonna set them out. And then um, I'll just motion you forward and you just can come up and, and take it. And when you're ready, come back to your seat. Uh, they're gonna lead us in a song. But what I'm asking you to do today is, is to put the things that you really are consumed by under the blood of Christ. If you need forgiveness, this is the time to seek forgiveness. If you need healing, 
This is the time to get healing. The Bible says by his stripes we're healed. And so communion, okay, it's recognizing the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And it was the last supper. And Jesus said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And what he's saying is, I came to serve, not be served. And that needs to be our challenge is to serve and to not expect to be served, to be willing to give up those things that maybe we don't want to give up, but we need to. And the body also is, to Jesus, it was perfect self-control. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, didn't give in one time. None of us can say that, right? And that's why, that's why the cup is so important. It's by the blood of Christ that we're forgiven, not our behavior. Isn't that good? That we can't earn it. We can't be good enough. That Jesus was good enough on the cross. And that's what's so beautiful about it. communion reminds me that all I have to do is ask for forgiveness and I get it right then. That's an amazing thing because I don't want to earn it because I can't. Amen. I fall short. So as they lead this, my wife and I will, again, we'll get the communion ready and then a motion.